in your Bibles to the book of Ruth, chapter number 3. Just to get caught up where we are in this book of Ruth and the story of the Moabitess lady, Ruth. There's a family, a Jewish family, Elimelech, Naomi, Malon, and Kilion are their two sons, a man and wife, and two boys that moved from Bethlehem and the will of God to the pagan land of Moab. While they're there, tragedy strikes in a big way. Uh, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies while in Moab. And Malon and Kilion, Naomi's two boys, marry Moabitess girls. One's name is Ruth, the other's name is Orpah. And while they're in Moab, by the way, to move for the Jewish person to move out of Bethlehem into Moab was a sin against God and was a picture of moving out of the will of God and into the will of the flesh. And tragedy strikes more. Uh, Malon and Kilion, the husbands of Ruth and Orpah, and the sons of Naomi also die in Moab. At this point, it's time for Naomi, no doubt, to make her way back to Bethlehem where she belongs. And she tries to send her daughters-in-law back to Moab and not to go with her. Ruth says, I won't have it. She says, I want your God to be my God. And where you live, I'm going to live. And so Naomi and Ruth make their journey back from Moab to Bethlehem. And we see them beginning their lives there. Naomi comes into uh, Bethlehem with this spirit. She says, don't call me by my name. Her name, Naomi, was a blessed name. She said, don't call me blessed. Call me Mara, which is bitter. She says, I'm bitter. I'm bitter. But we watch God heal Naomi's heart and begin to work. And Ruth has a big void in her life. Ruth would like to be married. And God is going to work the pieces together in order that Ruth marries the perfect guy. His name is Boaz. And Ruth chapter number 3 is the hallmark chapter of the book of Ruth, if you know what I mean. Um, Actually, probably chapter, I think they kiss in chapter 4, but anyway, it's coming. (laughs) And uh, Ruth chapter number 3, today I want to preach this message. A lesson in love and marriage. A message in love, I mean a lesson in love and marriage. And there's a whole lot we can learn from the three main characters of Ruth chapter number 3 on the subject of love and marriage. You say, I'm too old for this. You better listen. There's something for you. There's no doubt. You say, I'm too young for this. You better listen. There's something for you. I'm too mean for this. You better listen. There's definitely something for you. Uh, A lesson in love and marriage, Ruth chapter number 3. Let's begin here reading in verse number 1. We'll read these 18 verses together. The Bible says in verse 1, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter... Shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, uh, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be... When he lieth down, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet, and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. And she said unto her, 
all that thou sayest unto me, I will do. And she went down into the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning. And she rose up before one could know another. And he said, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Also he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee, and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. And she went in unto the, she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? She said, she told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me. For he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Then said she, Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. And we come to this passage of Scripture, and the setting is unusual, I know. Uh, in our methods of courting and dating these days, we don't wait till a guy lays down on a threshing floor and falls asleep and uncover the skirt of his feet. As a matter of fact, if you're a man that wears a skirt, I'm probably going to make fun of you. But in this story and in this passage of Scripture, we have a beautiful picture of two young people who are determined to do things the right way. If you read this text and you find any scandal at all, you are reading it incorrectly and misapplying this passage of Scripture. Uh, Boaz was a man of integrity. It's proven over and over again. Ruth is a lady with great integrity, and it's testified to over and over again. But in this story, God is using this moment. This is the, the peak in their discovering that they like each other, that they love each other, and that they will soon be married. And there's a lot to see and a lot of truth to uncover. Now, I love this passage of Scripture, and one of the uh, spiritual emphasis of Ruth chapter 3 is the kinsman redeemer. And I will tell you this, Boaz is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boaz having the authority to redeem Ruth from her paganism and bring her into the family of God is something that is relevant and rich and true in this passage of Scripture. I want to be careful about something. If you are a Bible student and you like to find Old Testament types of Christ in the Old Testament, 
that's good and fine, and it can be very, very helpful. But if you try to make every detail of the book of Ruth and every detail of this kinsman redeemer something like Jesus, you're going to confuse the audience, confuse yourself, and your mind is going to explode. It's important that we know that sure and true, Boaz is a type of Christ. Uh, And it's beautiful that Boaz is able to redeem Ruth. And it's even more beautiful that Jesus Christ is able to redeem us from the curse of sin and the penalty of death because of his payment on the cross. But be careful. Don't make everything a type of Christ and don't spiritualize everything you read in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, when you take the story at face value and you see Naomi, a mother-in-law who has overcome great bitterness and is interested in Ruth finding that perfect guy. And you see Ruth, a young lady who's been through tragedy as a widow in her youth and is eager to be married and bear children and the love stories unfolding. And Boaz, a man of great integrity, a person who's worked hard and done well. But he needs a godly wife. When you see this story, oh, there's so many beautiful things that we can draw and conclusions we can see. And today I want to preach to you this message, a lesson in love and marriage. A lesson in love and marriage. So the way things have gone, Ruth and Naomi have made their way out of Moab. They're back in Bethlehem in Judea. And they're in among God's people, and Ruth has been doing what Ruth has to do. Ruth has been gleaning. She's a widow, and the work that she can do is to follow along behind the harvesters and pick up the dropped grain that falls along the way. And she's doing so, and Boaz has showed her great favor, and Ruth has been picking up and cleaning up and carrying in food for her and Naomi, and now it's come time that Naomi... The matchmaker. Can you see Naomi for just a minute? How many of you ever met a matchmaker? You know some matchmakers. Maybe you are one. Sometimes that can get you in trouble. But in this situation, Naomi is doing a really good thing. And Naomi's kind of thinking, huh, we need to find Ruth a good man. Uh, We need to find Ruth a good man. And she begins the process and helps Ruth. And there's some great things we can see. Let's consider, there's going to be three points to this message. Number one, Naomi. Number two, Ruth. And number three, Boaz. I think you can remember that, right? Let's look at Naomi and see how God uses Naomi, a lesson in love and marriage. The Bible says in verse 1, when we meet up with Naomi in this setting, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? Now, Naomi says to Ruth, Ruth, let me help you find a husband. Now, I want to emphasize something in this passage of Scripture that can get a preacher like me in a little bit of trouble, but that's okay. The Bible says here, and Naomi's philosophy and idea about Ruth getting married is that it will help her. It will give her rest. And The Bible says, she says, My my daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee? Now, the first thing that some people want to say is, you know, a woman doesn't need a man to survive, and that is a-okie-dokie true. And another guy says, a man don't need a woman to survive. And that is true too. Congratulations, you're right. But let me tell you something that's very important. When a young man finds the right woman in God's will to marry, it's a wonderful thing. And when a young lady finds the right woman to marry, it's a wonderful thing. 
And when old people do the same thing, it's good too. You see, there's a lot of joy in the family. As a matter of fact, God puts a great emphasis on the family. And the family is of utmost importance. Years ago, I was asked to come and speak at the Asheville City Council. I've mentioned it before in preaching, and I was, I'll say it again. I was asked to come speak at the Asheville City Council, and I was asked to speak in opposition to extending same-sex benefits to employees. And the councilman that invited me to do that, he said, would you please do this? I said, no, I won't. And then I thought about it, and I said, i tell you what, if the Lord gives me something to say, I'll come. But if he doesn't, I won't be there. And I sat down in my office. I said, Lord, please give me nothing to say. <laughs> but I sat and as I began to kind of study and understand why in the world did we ever extend um, benefits to spouses of employees of the city of Asheville in the first place, I began to uncover some things that I thought was quite interesting. The reason why... It has been the practice of our government to extend benefits to the employees of the spouses of our employees is because our government and the understanding years and years ago understood that if we have employees that have solid homes and families, man, men with wives and children and women with husbands and children and homes, we have something that is very stable and something very reliable and therefore it's something worthy of us investing in. And so the original purpose was to invest in families because I'll tell you something. The greatest stability that our society can have is men and women raising children in their homes as a family. I know it's not popular. And I don't hate anybody that doesn't do it that way. But I sure am thankful for all the folks that do because it offers such great stability. And so when we read this, Naomi says to Ruth, Ruth, I want, to, I want you to have rest. In the second, the last phrase of verse 1, she says that it may be well. I want it to be well with you. I want you to, to be happy. And for Ruth and for most people, the greatest source of happiness and peace and joy and purpose comes from our connection to our families. Don't let the devil rob you of that. It's wonderful. And Naomi says, hey, Ruth, I want to help you. I want to encourage you. How many of you ever had somebody butt into your love life and you wish they hadn't? <laughs> In this situation, that was not the case at all because Naomi very righteously is going to stick her nose right where it belongs. Naomi is the parent figure in Ruth's life. Naomi is the aged woman speaking to the younger woman. Naomi is somebody that's going to be able to encourage Ruth to do the right thing. The Bible says in verse number 2, And now, Naomi speaking, Is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Now, Naomi says, I want you to know something. Uh, Ruth, there's all kinds of guys out there. But I'll just tell you, I want you to aim high and aim for the top. And the person you need to go after is Boaz. All the other guys are bozos. The person you need to go after is Boaz. Now, I think it's kind of interesting 
at this moment to see Naomi. Naomi is giving direction to Ruth. Now, when we step back and look at the situation, we see Ruth and Naomi. Two ladies living in the same house. And the rhetoric and the conversation back and forth is one that's exciting. Naomi's like, Boaz is the man. And Ruth's like, tell me more, tell me more. And it's it's sweet. But Naomi's doing something very important that we still need to do in our homes and in our churches. Do you know what? People like me that have been married for nearly 20 years and people like you that are older and experienced, do you know what we need to do for our young people? We need to encourage them to do the right thing in regards to their earthly human relationships. We need to be pointing them in the right direction. It's interesting to me. I'll just say, i got to clear this, the air right now. I am not for arranged marriages. Hallelujah. And all the young people said, praise the Lord. But let me tell you something that we need to do. I think it's of utmost importance that parents take an active role in helping their children in the matter of who they date and who they marry. It's fascinating to me that we've let our minds get so foggy that we let teenagers who can't balance a checkbook, pump gas, change oil, drive a car, and other things. They can't clean their bedrooms. But we let them choose on their own who they're going to date and perhaps even marry. Seems a little ridiculous to me. And you know the setting that God wants us to have in our homes is like Naomi and Ruth. I don't see any contention there. Ruth is submissive. Ruth is a godly young lady. Naomi at this point has gotten over bitterness and is helping Ruth along. And so we've got this sweet relationship going back and forth. You've got the older lady giving sound advice to Ruth who, I'm scared, I've never done this before. Help me, let me know what to do. And you've got this relationship back and forth. Now listen. If you let the devil put in your mind, young lady, that your mom is clueless and doesn't have any idea what's best for you, you're probably wrong. There are some rare exceptions to that. But young men, if you've come to the place where you think somehow your dad is so old-fashioned and so out of touch that he could not possibly help you or encourage you to do the right thing in regards to marriage and who you date and your friends You're probably wrong. As a matter of fact, something else should be true. It should be this situation where young men are getting advice from older men and young women are getting advice from older women and the women and the men and the families are working together in this sweet unity to see what God can do. And Naomi was doing the right thing. Naomi was investing and interested And giving direction to Ruth. She gives her some great advice. I want you to see it with me. The first thing that Naomi says to Ruth. I can't help but believe that maybe Ruth is a teenager. I know she's been married once before. But the first thing that Naomi says to Ruth is in verse number 3. Do you see it? Wash thyself. (laughs) Wash. She says, wash thyself. Therefore, and anoint thee. Put on something that smells good. Put thy raiment upon, dress right. Get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known to the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. And thou shalt go in and uncover his feet 
and lay thee down, and he will tell thee what thou shalt do. Now, Naomi's giving sound advice. I know this sounds weird, this whole go to the threshing floor, uncover his feet stuff. But the bottom line is, now, I'll just tell you, Boaz, this was not some drunken party. It was harvest season. Have you ever been part of a harvest season? It was harvest season, and nothing waits for harvest season. They were working. What the men were doing, they were working the threshing floor. They were harvesting the wheat. They were working the threshing floor, separating the wheat from the chaff, and they were working. They would work. They would eat. They'd sleep. They'd work. They'd eat. They'd sleep. They'd work, they'd eat, they'd sleep. And so after they finished eating and they were beginning to rest, Naomi said, you pay attention, mark where he's sleeping. Naomi's giving practical advice. She's like, wash yourself, smell good, wear appropriate clothing. I mean, she's giving real real appropriate. And this is probably the most appropriate advice that she gives to Ruth at all. She says, it's going to be dark down there when... When they all lay down, you make sure you know exactly which man you're going to uncover his feet. You don't want to get the wrong guy. And so Naomi's doing a great work. Now, don't forget the role of Naomi. You may have the opportunity to be a Naomi. If you do, do it with great wisdom. Do it with boldness. Help direct our young people. You may be the kind of person that needs a Naomi. Don't be afraid to reach out to Naomi's for help. Don't be afraid to get counsel. Let me tell you something that's very important. No one here, none of us live on an island. None of us have all the answers by ourselves. None of us can function well without good counsel. Folks, if you think somehow that you don't need anybody's instruction, you are way off base. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And I'll just tell you, Naomi played a big role in love and marriage and the relationship and the marriage of Ruth and Boaz. Naomi. Another thing I want to mention to you about Naomi, it's just a little thing in passing. You remember Naomi comes into town, she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara because I'm bitter. Naomi got over that. And something impressive to me about Naomi, Naomi got to the place where she was excited for Ruth to have something that she could never have. Naomi will never be married again. Naomi will never have children again. She's past that age. But Naomi is full of love and joy and excitement that Ruth is going to be able to experience something that she could only dream of. And that's the spirit of Naomi is sweet. Because she wants something for Ruth that she can't have herself. The bitterness is gone. It's gone away. The envy is not there any longer. Oh, it's sweet. Naomi. Number two. A lesson in love and marriage. Let's look at number two. Ruth. I want you to see what Ruth does. I love the spirit of Ruth. The Bible says in verse 5. And she said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me, I will do. You know what kind of spirit Ruth has? Ruth has a spirit of submission. Ruth has a spirit of submission. Now look, none of us are to a place where we do not have to submit to somebody. We all submit and should submit in many ways to many folks. You may be the boss, and that's good and fine. We need good bosses out there. But the boss, if the boss is good, submits to the needs 
of those people who work for or him. We all submit in some form or fashion, and we all must submit to God. But Ruth in this setting, Ruth is the younger of the, of the women, and Ruth is the one that has the least experience, and Ruth is the one that needs Naomi's help. And when Naomi gives her clear instruction, what does Ruth do? Ruth doesn't boil up and say, you're old and don't know what you're talking about. Ruth doesn't get angry because she already thinks she knows everything. Ruth submits. The Bible says in verse 5, She said unto her, All that thou sayest unto me I will do. She submits. Ruth has a spirit of submission. Not only does she have a spirit of submission, she also has a spirit of action. You see, we're not defined by what we know, but what we do with what we know. I've met lots of people who know what to do. But I've also met a lot of people, in spite of the fact they know what to do, they do not do it. Now, Ruth knew that the wisdom and advice and counsel that Naomi had given her was something that she should submit to and do. And because she knew it was godly and right, she did what she was counseled to do. Have you ever talked with somebody and everything you tell them, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. Sometimes I think it's a habit, a conversation habit. It's a conversation habit that drives me a little bit nuts. Uh, you talk to people when they say, I know, I know. Ugh. I already got folks getting hotter on the collar. I'm just saying it. I know, I know. Uh, now listen, pay attention. If you are one of the I knowers, uh, you may need to stop that mess. Uh, I know, I know. And you know what? You might know. But the reason I'm telling is you because you haven't done what you say you know. And you know what Ruth did? She heard what Naomi had to say. She submitted to her authority and her wisdom and her love. And she responded, not with I know, but I will. Not with I know, but I do. And I'll do what you've asked me to do because I trust your wisdom. You see, Ruth sets a great example for us. Ruth sets a great example for us. She submits to authority. She trusts her authority and she does what she's been instructed to do. Now you may be one of these hard-nosed, bitter, angry teenage girls, boys, uh, etc., but let me tell you, there's great joy and great peace and great safety in submitting to the God-given authorities in your life. We have this lie from the devil that says, hey, look, if I do what my parents say, or if I do what God says, if I do what I've been, the old people tell me to do, if I do that, I'm going to miss out on so much happiness. Folks, that's a lie from the pits of hell. You see, when you submit to people that love you and love God, you open up the door for yourself of the greatest of opportunities, the opportunity that has less heartache and regret, the opportunity that affords the brightest future because God's plan for your life is better than you could ever imagine. You see, Ruth has the right spirit. She says, whatever you do, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Now, I don't she have the right spirit, but we see her move forward in great boldness. Verse 6, she went down 
under the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. It came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself. And behold, a woman laid his feet. That's shocking. Verse 9, and he said, who art thou? She said, she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Now, this is an interesting, unusual way to say, I like you. I think we might should get married. But that's how they did it. She goes to the threshing floor and uncovers his feet. I'm pretty sure he uncovered his feet and there was a note under his skirt that says, do you love me? Check yes or no. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. But the bottom line is when we read this and we say, will you uncover my feet? You uncover my feet. He, she said, will you cover me? She says, spread your skirt over thine handmaid for thou art her niche. She's saying, look, I think that I really like you. I think we need to get married. And Boaz has already been thinking about it. He's been laying awake at night. Oh, Ruth. And the Lord begins to seal the deal. Naomi's pointed in the right direction. Ruth began to make the right decisions and heed the counsel. She's taking the courage to do things the right way. And Boaz says, you know what? You're right. I'm going to start tomorrow morning putting the pieces together. I think this is a really good thing. So we see Naomi. We see Ruth. And finally, number three, we see Boaz. Boaz, what does Boaz do? So Boaz wakes up in shock because Ruth is at his feet. Ruth says, I want you to know that I think you're really cute. And he's like, I think you're cute too. And the first thing he says, verse number 10, here it is. And he said, blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter. Don't think that my daughter is a degrading term or anything like that. He's referring to her in a precious way. Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. The first thing that Boaz says about Ruth is, Ruth, I've noticed that you're kind. I've noticed that you're kind. You've showed kindness. And over and over again, it's the testimony of Ruth that she was kind. Folks, let me tell you something. Kindness is a characteristic that we all should yearn to have. And if you, by chance, are looking for a life's mate, kindness is something that should be prevalent and in the forefront of your thinking. Let me tell you something. If he's not kind before you marry him, he won't be kind after you marry him. If she's not kind before you marry her, she'll not be kind after you marry her. Kindness is very important. And I love what Boaz is looking for. Boaz is looking for the right thing. She's kind. Kindness. The Bible also says, Inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich, Boaz is intrigued and loves the kindness of Ruth. She loves the wisdom and integrity of Ruth. Hey, look, those things are in very important. You better be looking in a life's mate for someone that's kind. You better look for somebody that has integrity and character and is willing to say no to what's wrong and yes to what is right. And cares more about righteousness than your feelings. 
Boaz says, I like that about you, Ruth. Not, else, not only that, but verse 11, he says, And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. He says, Ruth, I'm attracted to the fact that you have a great testimony. What did the community think of Ruth? Now look. You can't go around worried about what everybody thinks about you all the time, but I can tell you, if everybody disdains you for some reason, there's a good chance that you might have a character issue. And Boaz says, Ruth, I'm impressed, I'm intrigued, and I'm attracted to the fact that you have a good testimony in our community. And not only that, I'm attracted to that thou art a virtuous woman. The virtue of Ruth was something that was important to Boaz. You see, virtue is something that should be very attractive. We should be looking for virtue. We should determine in our own hearts to have virtue. But in a lesson for love and marriage, virtue is of utmost importance. The Bible continues. Verse 12, Boaz still speaking. He says, Now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit, there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night. It shall be in the morning that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well. Now, when I first read this, I am always get a little knot in my gut. This is the hallmark portion where there's a little bit of drama before they kiss at the end. Because here's what Boaz says. Boaz says, I tell you what, Ruth, I've been thinking the same thing. You are the woman for me. Hallelujah. And everybody that's reading says, they're, they're meant to be forever. They're going to kiss at the end. But then Boaz says something that sounds terrible. You know what Boaz does? He says, now, I'm going to do this. But there's one guy that is a nearer kinsman than me. And I'm like, Boaz, just forget the guy. Skip over him. We don't have to talk about it. But you know something interesting I find about Boaz? Boaz is the kind of guy that he is going to do things the right way. He's going to keep things in the right order. And let me tell you something. If you meet some bozo, whether it's a boy or a girl, if you meet some bozo who is willing to get things out of God's proper order, he or she is just exactly that, a bozo. Boaz said, you know what? This is, this is risky and it's a little bit scary. But I'm not going to start our marriage together, Ruth, with any type of baggage or trouble in the background. He said, I'm going to do this the right way. Folks, let me tell you something. Boaz, an honorable man. Boaz. The Bible says in verse 14, she laid his feet until the morning. She arose up before one could know another. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. She cares about, he cares about her reputation in verse 15 also he said, Bring the veil that thou hast upon thee and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her, and she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Who art thou, my daughter? She told her all that the man had done to her. And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me. For he said to me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. Last couple of things I want to share with you about old Boaz. Boaz, somebody that you want to marry. Somebody, Boaz. Do you know what he did? Boaz was interested in her reputation, remaining sound and sure. Boaz was also generous. 
Boaz was generous. What did Boaz do? Boaz says, now look, it's time for you to go home, but I can't send you empty-handed. So he says, get the veil. When you first see him say, get the veil, what are you going to do? He says, get the veil. And she holds out her veil, a big piece of cloth, and Boaz measures out six measures of barley. He's been harvesting the barley. He says, now look, I can't send you home to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Ruth takes her veil full of grain and makes her way back to the home where Naomi is and Naomi says, how'd it go? She tells her everything, every detail. Can you imagine the exciting chatter that Ruth had? And the thing that God records here for us is she says, Boaz sent me with this veil full of grain because he said I couldn't go, shouldn't go home to my mother-in-law empty-handed. You know what Boaz did? Boaz cared about Ruth's family. Now, if you have a suitor, you may be too young to know what a suitor is. If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend that couldn't care less about your family, doesn't care about your mama, doesn't care about your daddy, doesn't care about your grandparents, doesn't care about your family, let me tell you something, run for your life. Because that person is useless. Run. Because I'll tell you, a Boaz, you know what a Boaz will do? A Boaz will make sure that not only you're cared for, but they'll take care of and respect and love the family that God has given you. You see, there's a lot of lessons for love and marriage when we look at Naomi. I'll just tell you, a church like ours needs to be full of Naomi's, male and female. Men and women who love the young people in our church and have courage and boldness and love enough to help direct them in the right direction and invest in their lives. Church like ours needs to be full of roosts who say, you know what, I don't know what God has in store for me, but I'm going to trust God, I'm going to do God's will, and I'm going to do it God's way, and I'm going to let God lead in the most important decision I'll ever make, who I'll marry. And our church needs a group of Boazes, a big group of folks who say, you know what, I'm going to lead my life with integrity. I'm going to be the kind of man or the kind of woman that God wants me to be, and I'm going to trust him with his will in my life. There's a few things to learn from Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. A few lessons for love and marriage. I pray the Lord will apply the message to your own life. And you'll let him speak to you and challenge you and help you in the days that are ahead. Let's pray.